On today's episode of The Glue Guys, wow, what a packed pot roast of Nets news that we have to discuss. We said it all along, a packed pot roast. Um, Andre Gudala, NBA champion, is trying to decide whether to join the Nets, Lakers, or Warriors. Are you breaking that? Is that breaking? Uh, <laughs> that's breaking news. Wow. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie signing trade has been completed. Controversy around that, we'll t- discuss that. We'll talk about every single new net that was just signed. And we didn't get Brian's NBA draft takes. This is going to be a chock full of nuts episode. Could be a couple episodes, Mike. Could be. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind that paywall. I think it's 50% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. TheAthletic.com wow. slash Glue Guys. Michael. I'm back. We're back. back. And we're back, too. We're getting back in the full seat. We're going to do five shows a week from now until the NBA Finals. You're back in the haunted Oval Office of the haunted (laughs) locations. (laughs) Um, I was happy to be back. I felt like it was an appropriate place to be after all the wheeling and dealing that just happened with the Brooklyn Nets. Right, right. Signing deals, making deals. Um, Well, let's get right into it, Mike. Let's not stall with any more BS, (laughs) okay? Let's just dive right in. There's breaking news, Mike. Hit the... the, uh, the drop. What's the breaking news? <laughs> nice, breaking dude. news. Wow. Sham Sharania of mm-hmm. The Athletic and Stadium uh, is reporting that Andre Igudala is deciding between three teams of which to join the Brooklyn Nets, Warriors, and Lakers. Now I ask you, Brian, uh, do you want Andre Igudala? That's a you know I hadn't even thought of that. That's how that's sure. how greedy and graspy I am. Just, I just I just to the I just think well it was breaking news, Mike. I hadn't I hadn't had time to digest it. Um, not with my anyways. Um, I let me think about this. Actually, I don't I don't know that I need Andrea Godal on this team. <laughs> is, that, is that is that am I looking a gift horse in the mouth here by saying that, Mike? Um, um so so here's my I. I think there's value in it. So, like, the one thing, and we're going to talk about every single free agent that was yeah, signed. There's and so maybe much. like so some, some that weren't signed, oh. right? But I think the one hole on this team that is left, honestly, besides, like, a big, ugly center, which is something I'm always looking to fill, uh, to have a big, ugly center, is, is like, wing defender, bro, more than a James Johnson. Like, James Johnson, I guess, is that. Um, but I think they could use another defense first wing. Now, like, who is Andre Iguodala now? Mm. He played 20 points a game for the Heat last season in 63 games. 20 minutes a game, sir. Oh, 20 minutes a game. Excuse me. Mm. What did I say? Did he he average 20 points a game. He averaged 20 points a game. In his dreams. 50% from three. No. Um, 33% from three on three attempts. So, actually, like, that's a decent volume on 21 minutes. Uh, His two-point percentage, which is always something that I look at, he only had one two-point attempt a game. So he's basically, like, he's not shooting inside the arc. He's just not doing it much at all. But he shot 53% in 
inside the field. The, sh- guess- the surest sign of an out to pasture wing player is when they exactly. just they just start shooting those threes. Yeah, um, and and so in in like so he's he's veteran savvy. He's thirty seven years old. Um, he's you know everyone his his credentials are amazing. And I think if he was on this team, I think there would be value in it. I think like the value as as like lame as this is to say is like just personality. Mm. It's just like having what, another yeah. like solid heady person in the locker room to talk motivationally to Kyrie Irving a little bit and James Harden and what was his relationship with KD in those in those years? Did they was it part of? I know that everyone was. Well, it was a, uh, the the way it read a Jerry to me, Springer episode on a day by day basis over there. <laughs> the day the way it read to me was that uh, I mean this is like complete. Like, just, hey, I didn't do any analysis, just me watching TV. It seemed like Katie and Draymond were, like, the closest, but also, like, brothers where they fought all the time. Yeah. Steph and Katie, there was a respect, but if you believe some reporting, that Katie refutes profusely. He was jealous of Curry's, the tension that Curry got, which I don't think is, I don't think it's, like, fully true. I think his movie's, like, partly I, true. There's a couple of, I mean, the one video, you know how I read into, uh, I lazily read into body language and gifs and memes and things like that. But the one that really gave gave it all away is the one where Steph Curry has, you know, he's always doing, like, trick shots. It was one of the more ill-conceived trick shots of his where he, like, puts the ball on the ground and, like, pretends to do a golf swing into a 360 is what he does and then picks the ball up and shoots, like, a corner, like, three off after all of that pageantry. And KD is just watching the whole thing and sort of (laughs) just just blank-faced, just stone-faced and and you can tell kind of dying inside a little bit about the whole thing. That's that's when I knew. That's when I knew the relationship. This is a slight diversion. I swear we're going to talk free agency. This is what you're here for. This is what they come for. But I do love like Twitter spaces, like the live Twitter audio stream, their service that KD is like a big supporter of. And there was some, there was like some Warriors fans talking crap about KD. I think it was like two weeks ago. And he hopped into their Twitter spaces conversation. (laughs) And I, I listened in and Durant was like, so Durant was furious that they believed some reporting that he was jealous of Curry when he was in Golden State. Furious. Mm. And he like couldn't understand it. And the fans, like to their credit, like I don't know if they were podcasters or what they were, but they were like, so Kevin, you tell us, what was it like? Like, why did you leave Golden State? Like, what was it like with you and Curry? And Durant was basically like, I don't have to tell you that stuff. And then they were like, well, that's why we believe the, that's why we, we latch onto the reporting maybe because you won't, you know, sort of open up in that way. He's like, but I don't have to do that, but don't believe that reporting, essentially. You're, Whatever. You're, but, you're taking their side, Mike. That's what you're yeah. doing right now. I see. I see. Yeah. But back to Andre Iguodala. So I think if he was on the team, I don't want to say he's like a Jared Dudley type. He's more than Jared Dudley. I mean, again, he's getting 20 minutes a game for, you know, a playoff team with Miami. But I think his value is like, it's a nice club to have in your bag. If it, Andre Gudala, a famous NBA golfer, uh, he's he's hmm. he's a a hybrid. He's a hybrid uh, club that you don't bust out all the time. You're not really off the tee with him. Yeah, and maybe you're not in the fairway, but if it's a par five and uh, it's your second shot, and you're looking at two seventy still to go. 
maybe bust that out. It's an important. I don't know golf. I everyone who does probably just so like I that stopped, doesn't yeah. make I, sense. I, it's a good archetype to bring up the Jared Dudley. I put Jared Dudley and Brian Scalabrini in similar company of. Um, you know, that As part of, people do. <laughs> of, you know, it's funny. And again, I, we're going off topic, but in the Duncan Robinson podcast, shout out to that new thing. Um, they had Brian Scalabrini on, and this is just a brief insight. This is, it's Nets related. He was a, you know, Veal was around. He was a Nets guy. Um, he, after he retired, he said that he, like, just for his own peace of mind, went around to a bunch of gyms and, like, playgrounds to just play high-level pickup guys and, like, wreck those dudes just so that he knew, <laughs> just because those guys, those are the type of people that probably talk the most amount of S about, about his game. And so he had, like, he was like, I did, like, a full two years of just, like, traveling around the world and playing high-level pickup just to prove things to myself. It's like, damn, they were in your head, Brian. They got That's a little sad. <laughs> Pretty your, sad. They got in your head bad, Doug. Um, um, Andre Gudala. So, are you a yes or you a no? If it uh, happened, like, so here's what you have to do in the exercise: you have to imagine you get the news that he, in fact, signed with the Nets. Also, kind of what it means is that, like, they're cutting Reggie Perry or they're cutting one of these five draft picks that we all now love. Um, well, yeah. I mean, let's talk a little bit about the financials, and this is this will segue neatly into the Spencer Dinwiddie situation, Mike. That you can put some put some meat on those bones as well, because we do have a eleven million dollar trade exception um, in the wake of all that. So, talk to me a little bit about the fi- explain to me, like I'm a six year old, <laughs> what our financial situation is, Mike. Well, okay. So everyone, and I always have to like caution myself. I know everyone who listens to us aren't a part an active participant on nets twitter and so i i appreciate all of you that maybe i don't aren't, i don't actually. know that that's true i think pretty much every, <laughs> to a man yeah we're, we're pretty much in that nexus that's pretty much all we got at this point um but the everyone was mad and everyone's expectations were sky high that the nets were going to fleece the wizards and get daniel gafford and kcp and two first round picks for Spencer Dinwiddie because the the Nets the the Wizards needed the Nets to complete this deal. There's nothing that they could do. They needed the Nets and people were getting stressed. That first reporting about like us turning down the Montrezl Harrell like Kuzma combo platter or whatever, like I don't know where that came from or who was responsible for it. I mean, it could have been you, Mike. It could have been you pulling strings <laughs> from your Wizards connection. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's where the insanity started because I, some people really like bought that hook, line, and sinker. I think it was like that's where Spen- like Spencer's you know value is right now. We're gonna say no to a Kuzma Montrezl Harrell combo deal. You know, it's, yeah. it was all over the place. Well, and if people and our listeners are so informed and and they know where to get their information, it's, big, it's a big brain crew out there, Mike. We got engineers out here. In the earliest days, way back, many months ago, when we were talking about Spencer Dinwiddie's free agency, and we had come to the you know pretty stark realization that Dinwiddie was not going to be a net come the start of this upcoming season. Like It was clear that he was going to move on, that the team was not going to pay him the amount of money that he himself felt like he should get, and he ended up did getting. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't get the five for 125, but he got $20 million a year and a very nice deal. Sure. Um I had I had long said signing trades didn't make any sense for the Nets unless if all they got back was draft compensation and trade exceptions because the reason why they're not signing Spencer Dinwiddie isn't because they don't they they love him they love Spencer Dinwiddie they would love to have Spencer Dinwiddie on their team he's too expensive Bobby Marks who's kind of become a little bit of a divisive figure on Twitter just because he's like a little he's a little too present 
a little oh. too active uh, huh. with the numbers. A little Darren <laughs> Lovelli. With, with his numbers, which I mean, what, what, everyone hates those numbers. Yeah. yeah. Um, he he had laid out, I mean, this is easy math. This isn't like, you don't need a, to be a former assistant general manager of the Nets to figure this out. Try me. Try uh, me. <laughs> because where the, next are, the Nets are in the luxury tax, Spencer Dinwiddie, $20 million a year, would cost the Nets $80 million. For extra. Um, pl- with the luxury tax and just salary. That's a lot of money. I don't know if people know. That's 80 on top of the 20. That No, that's combined. Okay, that's combined. That's combined. Oh, that's yeah, I'm pretty sure. Now, it's yeah. funny that I just like kind of dissed Bobby Marks, but now I'm like, yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> Can we get Bobby but, on the phone, actually? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it would cost Clear the Nets. I, I think it's the, the value is just times four because it's salary plus times three of that salary. So it's it, whatever it is. So whatever the number is, the team would get caught. So if the if you added a guy for ten million dollars, overall it would be thirty thirty million in luxury tax, plus ten million in salary. So you it's it's times four, but it's not really. It's it's at whatever. Anyways, okay. Um, Dinwiddie was never going to be a net, and I almost felt like th- there was no way the Nets would bring back another decent-sized contract within a sign-and-trade, unless it was, like, someone who was the absolute perfect fit on this team, whose contract was such an amazing value. And if that was the case, I think then the Nets would have had to make a corresponding move to get rid of salary. As much as I'm not... if I do not desire to defend multi-billionaires, global multi-billionaires. It's not, like, something like I, I walk around doing. I will defend Josiah in this case. It kind of would have been insanity to pay $80 million for Spencer Dinwiddie or any player who really would just be a um, – how many minutes would Spencer have gotten this year on the team? 25 minutes a game, 30 minutes. I mean, 30 minutes is a good amount. Um, he's and Not that he's not worth the $20 million, He's definitely worth $20 million. He's not worth $80 million. Most people – I just, really I just can't believe you're coming out of the bootlicker closet right now, Mike, <laughs> live, live on the show, because, you know, it's not your, like they always say, it's not your, your uh, payroll, it's not your, not, your name's not on that check, Mike. No, I'm just kidding. Are yeah, you, I, I, I are was you a surprised that Dinwiddie's not a net, are, and are you surprised no, I, that the, the Nets didn't try to get, because what they got was second round picks and a trade exception. Are you, does that infuriate you like everyone else? I was, I, I still am interested by how everyone reacted to that. They were like really down about it. Um, and I just don't understand what, what the reaction there is. Um, because I just, I operated from the, the same place we were, you know, eight months ago when he got hurt or whatever. Um, you know, that all set everything into motion pretty quickly. I mean, it was probably in motion even before that. Um, so yeah, I had, I had come to terms. We talked about this on the show quite a bit. So, you know, hats off to both of us. Um, you know, pats on the backs all around. Uh, but yeah, it did not come as any surprise. Um, so I had, I had emotionally prepared. I had time to prepare for that. Um, yeah. And I'm and I'm perfectly happy with getting a, you know, fairly uh, robust trade exception here out of the whole thing, which we can play around with. You know, it's all, uh, well, then the trade exception is, is going to be an interesting development for the Nets because, I mean, again, we talk about luxury tax. You have that. There's eleven million dollars that they could get in a deal. They could they could trade. There's a whole list of players that they could trade for essentially who make less than eleven million dollars that would fit perfectly within that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but that would again 
you times it by four. That that would cost you forty four million dollars if you maximize that eleven million dollar. Like if you got an eleven million dollar player, right? So, what's good about a trade exception versus getting the Kuzma mm-hmm. is if you get Kuzma, then you know Josiah and the Nets know that they're paying thirteen times four. They're paying fifty two million for Kyle Kuzma. Where with the eleven million, if they get to the trade deadline, they're like, shit, we really need. Whatever, Larry Nance Jr. We need Larry Nance Jr. Who I, you were who really I speaking this into for. existence because I started to see his name floating around on the Discord. Shout out to the Discord. Quite, uh, invite in the Twitter bio, guys. Good people, guys, and keep it lively in there. Um, but yeah, Larry Nance Jr.'s name started popping up all over the place. Um, no coincidence, I'm sure. But um, yeah, that's a name that you're going to speak that into into existence. I feel like Mike, and like you can make that decision. You can say, oh, like. God forbid someone really good gets hurt. God forbid Harding gets hurt. Kyrie gets hurt. KD gets hurt. Whoever it is. Then you can figure out, okay, who do we need to grab? Who is an approximate of those players or whoever it is? Joe Harris. You know, um, it's a, it's a nice nice asset. It's gonna it's it could be something, but I wouldn't really hold on to Speaking it. Speaking of an approximate of a player, a proxy, if you will, um, how about that Patty Mills? How about that Patty Mills coming in? Oh. Shoring up the bench, you know, this is we talked a little bit on the, the pre-production meeting um, three days ago, I believe. We began a series of pre-production meetings. <laughs> there was, there yeah, was. I, I would like to straight. I should have said at the beginning. I apologize to everyone how long this has taken. I've been. This is like the. This doesn't endear me to anyone. I've been like packing up from where I was in vac- at vacation, and I was also then driving. From My, far Mike's away. been on a on a Chevy Chase style family vacation. <laughs> And he's and he he's reached the boiling point. You could tell. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, when Brian, so I send Brian the Zoom link. So I'm yeah. waiting for him, but like I'm doing things, and I I don't know when you signed on, but I know my Early. face the entire Early. time was like I was there for a while. Just and I, was, I, just, I knew <laughs> right away what I was what I was signing up for. Um, um, Patty Mills is so I, we were talking about this in the pre-production meeting. It's like you know, there's a couple of different. Um, ways to build your your bench uh, in my mind and one of the uh compelling ways to do it is to pick sort of similar players to your starters adjacent players with somewhat skill sets if you can find them if it's possible um i'm not saying patty mills is that way for kyrie irving i will say that our new uh rookie cam oh god i forgot his last name already thomas thomas Thomas. i was gonna go johnson and i felt you know anyways um Cam Thomas, I'm going to have to lock that in right now. I'm locking it in. Cam Thomas uh, is sort of a, a very, 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 you know, dialed back version of that in terms of uh, efficiency and, and general um, uh, explosiveness. But like, I like the idea that we are <clears throat> filling that spot up with um, comparatively good scorers. Um, I mean, Patty Mills is for me. I mean, I, once that name started floating around in the Twitter sphere, the rumors started percolating. He was between them and the Lakers. I got very excited. Oh I have been a Patty Mills stand low key, but I don't know. I've never probably said this, and so it'll seem suspicious. But I've been a, a very big admirer of both him and Fred Van Vliet. I, I think of them sort of similarly, although I know Fred Van Vliet is kind of like, you know, excelled beyond where he was a couple years ago when they were much more similar, statistically speaking. Um, but they are the, the, the kind of ballsy guards who like close out games under control. You never want to see them have an open three, uh, in, in crunch time. Um, just steady, stabilizing, smart players. 
really truly the the like best part of this offseason. And I think like if I really think in a vacuum, who do I want like leading an offense in a world in which we're relying on a second string point guard? Is it Spencer Dinwiddie or Petty Mills? Like that's a t- that's not as easy a conversation. Wow, you're going there right now. Oh, you know, Jeez, Brian. What we were just talking about Spencer Bury Dinwiddie. Bury the dead, won't you? <laughs> you know how fast I <laughs> I move on quick. I mean, Jeff Green was already like, Jesus. no, you're out. <clears throat> no, of course, Heffy Converde was always always going to be. I'm going to get a Heavy Converde tattoo. Did I tell you about that? It'll be a. Uh, you got a half eight hundred. No, I'm not going to. Well, I could. It's still. We'll think about it. We'll get some designs going. <laughs> Tweeted us. Tweeted us with some salsa designs. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, I, I it's actually it's a conversation worth having. I don't know if we're. I mean, it sounds like people aren't ready to have it. I mean, I, first of all, do you want to do like a shout out to Spencer Dinwiddie because he's been a friend of the show. We let, I feel let's like save we our shout each, out. We let's, put each let's other save on. Our shout out. Yeah. Okay. Because here's what the thing: Spencer Dinwiddie would respect the fact that we're just going immediately into <laughs> ruthless comparisons, player comparisons. I think that's a Spencer Dinwiddie way of of life. Um, so, so the question yeah. before us right now is: in, in fact, not only is Patty Mills a a replacement of Spencer Dinwiddie. He is, in fact, a better a better fit for what this team needs. That is what you're arguing. Uh, yes. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> Do you disagree? Is that a disagreement? Do you want to have a disagreement? That is things? a HIPAA violation, my friend. That <laughs> you're, is viola- HIPAA. you're violating my HIPAA. You're violating um, my that's my so I, I do. I mean, so here's what Patty Mills is. And as you described, he is a, a big time shot maker. He is like what Derek Fisher was for the Lakers for so many years. But he's a better player, frankly, than Derek Fisher was. Um, he's an elite shooter. I think the number is like he shoots 46 percent from three. If he is an open shot, mm-hmm. if he's an open catch and shooter, he typically is a pull up shot maker from three. And that's why his percentage doesn't look as good as like how actually good of a shooter he is. Um, he's not big, you know, but he's definitely crafty. He's he's shown his wares continually in international basketball. He's mm-hmm. an NBA champion. Um, he is like I never dreamed. I'm serious. I never dreamed that the Nets could get someone as good as Patty Mills with the taxpayer mid-level exception. Yeah. Like when Otto Porter signed with the Warriors, I was like, damn it. Damn. I thought like so I love Otto Porter. And I think Otto Porter like would have ended up starting for the Nets at some point down the road if he was on this team. Or like there's a version of Otto Porter where that was possible. And I, and he could have helped. But Patty Mills is like, oh my God. Like if he if he's out there on the floor at the end of the game. I don't want to do this because now they're on the same team. And I don't want to be that guy. Quite. I don't want to bring negativity into this. Oh but gosh. if Patty Mills was taking the Joe Harris shots, the Nets would have won the NBA championship. You, this you're past going season. toxic. You've got you've gone full toxic now. Like. Because the Nets would have beaten the Bucks in round two. They would have beaten the Hawks in round three, obviously. Hopefully Harden would have continued to got healthier. And then if you have a healthy Harden and KD with Patty Mills, like against the Suns, the Nets are NBA champion. I know, but like that's an alternate, that's a that's a variant reality, a different reality than we can even describe right now. Sure. But Pat, I'm so confident in Patty Mills as a big game shooter and and fitting in on this team. It's like I can't even believe. So so why are you burying me? Why are you why are you trying to dunk on me with my <clears throat> Spencer yeah, Dinwiddie comparison? I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie's a better player though. I, I would I would say unequivocally I think if you were doing like a 2K draft of all the le- like the whole league, you you wiped every roster. I would say Spencer Dinwiddie would go like 
seven rounds before Patty Mills. You know how I feel about Spencer Dinwiddie. You know how I, he is you a high biggest fan. He's a high volume, low efficiency scorer, very dynamic. Jesus, man, what? you move on from a breakup. <laughs> You are cool. I am. I'm a complete psycho. I'm a complete psycho. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying, you know, I just like. I think if you're um, it, from that position, you know, a microwave scorer is one thing. Um, but you know, like like you were saying, if you're drawing comparisons between like a, you know, it's two. It's actually two separate positions, and it's hard to. It, we shouldn't yeah, be. Comparing. That's true. You know, that's we're being. Even lazy. they're both technically ball handlers. It's, re- it's really guys. Mike James v. v Patty Mills is who we should really be stirring this up, this controversy oh, up God. with, you know, I know, and I know you're going to go to bat for Mike James. So I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that to <laughs> so you, to me, to this, to this show. Equation. Um, he's, he'll be around. He'll be around. Um, I, yeah. God. Please don't, don't bring him up, please. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, it, this is, this is an exceptional win, you know, and we've had some people tweeted us, uh, basically saying like why have the nets gotten more credit for the patty mills and i will say i think like bill simmons immediately said the first his favorite move that he saw was patty mills coming to the nets just like the quality that patty mills brings again he can handle the ball he can he can he's the type of guy who could not take a shot for three quarters and then in the fourth quarter hit three threes in a row right. and like shift the balance of a game um, he's been in there in big moments. He's not that old. He's only 32 years 32, old. 32. Going to be th- a baby. I think it's his birthday coming up in a few days. Uh, if basketball reference, August 11th. So almost happy birthday. What's his Patty sign? Mills. Is that a, what is that? A Sag? Oh, God, I don't even, I couldn't even begin to tell you to have no, all I know about Sagittarius is that they're addicted to exercise. That's, that's one thing I know. <laughs> I know that about them. Um, um who's but, next? What do we, where do we go after this? Well, well, one quick thing oh, about okay. Patty Mills. So you bring up Spencer Dinwiddie. So you, in your mind, think he's because I almost like don't even consider Spencer Dinwiddie a part of the like. I haven't. He hasn't been a part of the Nets. Oh, oh, and I have the one that I'm the one that moved on. <laughs> well, I was always last year because he tore his ACL and then was it just wasn't going to come back. Yeah, and then he couldn't do anything for you, Mike, and you forgot <laughs> his name. I get it. I get it. it. It's such a like like I could see lineup constructions. So one, he's an amazing guard next to Harden in the bench unit. It's like I'm, I kind of am, I'm obsessed with the fact that the Nets can have Patty right now, right? Patty Mills yeah, as yeah. the the second guard in the bench units mm. because like the Nets with with the, what Steve Nash was like kind of doing was he would hand over the reins to James Harden in like you know end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter when the bench units would come in and basically have him run a Rockets light offense where it was ISO Harden with shooters all around him. So what the Nets are going to be able to put out on the floor is James Harden and Patty Mills in your backcourt. I think Joe Harris is going to play more with the twos, a little bit more with the twos than the ones. I think they're going to have a little more position flexibility there. Nick Claxton has the pick and roll big man. And then like name any James Johnson or name yeah. anyone else that's going to be out there on the floor. Maybe Cam Thomas. I don't know. But I think it's like it's it's going to be people are going to be upset when they see it. I think people haven't really thought about Patty Mills in a number of years, but because he, San Antonio has has not been interesting for a while. Mm. I think once he's on the floor shooting wide open threes and burying them, people are people are going to be very upset 
that Patty Mills is a Brooklynette, and I'm going to feel great about it. I got, I just right. got an idea. <clears throat> There's, you know, how we have a, a smart audience. This is the, this is the, yeah, the we the have big, the smartest. <clears throat> we have the smart Everyone audience. Um, somebody out there who who knows their way around a a computer. Um, I'll ta- I'll task you with this. <clears throat> I want to make like an NLP app for aggregating, you know, language from Twitter um, that can quantify butt hurt from other. Like fan bases when somebody is traded or not traded, you know, because like when Patty Mills left that like there was the tweet threads of that were so it's an important metric for me as like a a viewer of basketball to go see how upset the other fan bases uh, that their like favorite player got traded. like Jeff Green. I'm sure there is a a significant amount of butthurt in that Woj, that Woj thread. Um the Patty Mills start was overwhelmingly butthurt. They were like Patty for Prez. You know, they're like, that guy's going to be a politician someday. He's going to be a leader of men. Um, that's, that's the, that's the feeling. So, uh, yeah, I'm tasking, uh, glue nation. Somebody, somebody think about how to make a, a NLP app for aggregating Twitter threads. And we, I want to quantify this. I want to begin to quantify this and have it be a stat, you know, like put it on basketball reference. How butthurt are you when you get traded? Coming back, we're going to talk, we have to take a quick commercial break, and then coming back, we're going to talk so much more. We have James Johnson thoughts to dive into, draft thoughts, no J.J. Redick. I think we need to have a no J.J. Redick discussion because I don't think our boy— If you say his name three times, he'll, he'll be on the team. That's, what I, that's, that's, that's the rule. <laughs> um, we have so much more to talk about coming back. All right, we're back. Okay. Um, before we get to James Johnson— um, there were two nets that were on the team last year that returned and one that didn't. Um, Blake Griffin's back on the minimum. Bruce Brown is back on the $4.7 million qualifying offer. And Jeff Green's in Denver. Um, do you know that, out for Jefe Verde. Do you obviously. know that we predicted that, Mike? We did that on this show? Yeah, of course. That's that's just what we do. We're, we tell we're you the things a, that are going to We're batting a thousand. I got to tell you, this this was, it was, you know, I mean, the tea leaves well, weren't hard to read this year, but. We I were, thought we that Bruce Brown would get double that. Like, I thought he would get the. You did. The you had, I think nine was your number. If I, I didn't yeah. watch it back. And I was like, that's. <laughs> like, that's well, yeah. I was feeling better and better as free agency was going. And there was no, like, Bruce Brown offer sheet. And the Nets would have to figure it out. Even though, like. If that happened, there would be another sign-and-trade scenario, which could, yeah. could have been another good chance for the Nets to get something. But I love – like, to me, it's kind of ridiculous that – so, like, I thought that when they traded for Javon Carter in the first-round pick that, like, Carter was Bruce Brown insurance. I think, the, but though, they there seemed to be, be no buzz for Bruce Brown anywhere except for Brooklyn. Yeah. And, obviously, he's going to be back with the team. Um, but th- here's the guard rotation – which is kind of ridiculous. If we're considering Bruce Brown a guard, uh, Kyrie and Harden, Shamit, or not Shamit, Patty Mills and Bruce Brown, Cam Thomas, which should be in- included because he already has been described as the steal of the draft, and mm-hmm. Javon Carter, who's a perfectly fine NBA player. Um, that is better than Mike James. Um the the all, days all, of, all of that combined is better than Mike James. Is that what you're saying? All, all, all of that, that is all of that, that combined. That equals I think. one it, Mike James. All, all of that is is like a half of a James, a half yeah. of a Mike. Damn, James. we're coming down hard on on Mike James. He really he he gave us he gave us some minutes, I Mike. Just in don't a pinch. like the way he plays basketball. There it is. There That's it is. the way I would feel. Um, so Bruce Brown coming back at four point seven million. Obviously, everyone's happy about that. I will kind of say like that's not an insignificant amount of money. Um, 
it's like a nice little commitment. And it's nice that the Nets can do that. They also have like, I think they have early bird rights or bird rights next year, which maybe they're going to sign them or they probably won't knowing how the Nets are operating. Um, Blake Griffin back the minimum. Fantastic. I'm can, what can feelings I, do you have? Yeah. Well, yeah, I will say like, you know, we're not in a position to, to offer this really, but like, you know, the one year 4.7 million Bruce Brown thing is also going under the radar a little bit uh, for just how good that, cause like, you know, I don't want to draw too many comparisons, but there was a lot of other contracts floating around of like the, and Bruce Brown doesn't have a bunch of like obvious comparisons. So it's hard to kind of like do this with them. But like you were saying, like if he got like three years at 9 million a piece, that's, that's, that's like crazy and not well, gonna, the, the comp kind of, and I do think this guy is better than Bruce Brown and fits on more teams, but Alex Caruso did get the three years, nine exactly. mil so per that was, year. That, that was the one that I had in my head too. Um, yeah. as, as some of, and like that's Caruso is a better shooter and like a more, tr- like he could play point guard for time at where Bruce Brown camp, but Bruce Brown, I think is a better, like sort of more versatile player. I mean, overall. Bruce Brown is maybe the most unique player in basketball right now. It's, it's you know, like a, a guy that plays that big at that side. I mean, whatever, we've already done this shtick, but um, <laughs> cool. again, yeah. him and Harden were the best pick and roll duo in the it's NBA. So strange. It's so strange. So it's, yeah. it's, you can't really have a good comp for him, um, but I'm glad that we have, you know, I want Bruce Brown here long-term. I like giving him one-year deals at the same time. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah, that's how I sort of feel. I don't want to get roped into, like, a Nerland's Noel situation with that, which, you know, like, <laughs> I know that that's not a comp, but, like, it's well, that's the contract no, 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 that no. I would say is, like, yeah. you, you might not age as well as you'd like. Yeah. So I, I think it's fantastic that Bruce Brown's back. I, I'm interested to see, like, you know, like, he does have a potential for not obviously being as good as he was last year. It was it, not that it was gimmicky. But it was like a such a unique way to play a guard. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like it should be that hard to play defense against that fact, besides just like don't let him shoot floaters, right? Like that's the the attack on offense. But him is him fitting more into like they had to rely on Bruce Brown so much at times. Totally. During when the guys he, he would have big games. A guy like that would have big games yes. just off of back screens, like just cuts. Just stupid trollish cuts night in, night and, out. And now it's going to be like, hey, Bruce, like, don't you don't have to you don't have to kill yourself every game. Like, there could be games when he doesn't score at all and just plays defense. And like the other guys on the team are going to obviously carry the load enough. And he this team has such position flexibility with whatever they want to do. The only thing, again, that they don't really have, unless if we consider DeAndre Jordan this and we should talk about this, is they don't have the traditional seven foot center. That's a vet that they could like the Zaza Pachulia. They don't have a Zaza. They don't. Uh, and are you worried? Are you concerned? Because like the the one of the Zellers, which one? Tyler Zeller. Cody, I believe, was the one. Cody. That was talking. Cody. People were hoping it was Cody Zeller was going to come to Brooklyn. Who's hoping? Uh, Who's hoping? There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of people <laughs> are big fans of big balding white men. You know. Yeah. Sure. Big fans. A lot of fans. Uh, the Bezos is out there, except Bezos is kind of short. <laughs> he is. Um, Strong, though. I, works out. I I mean, it, it, it is incredible you can be that rich, and he isn't, like, don't hair plugs work? You know? No, that's the thing. They don't. They don't work. Okay. <laughs> that's, what like, you, that's what you learn. Actually, it's funny you say in the world. I went down bald. the weirdest. It's here's how I went. It went from like Doctor Pimple Popper to like plaque Ugh. removal to now I'm in the like hair surgeon talking to me about like Joe Rogan's like botched 
hair surgery thing. And so now I know a lot about a lot about uh, that surgery. And apparently it's not super effective. A lot of versions of it, not super effective. So that's why Jeff Bezos is bald. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There's no other reason. <laughs> yeah. If you were that rich, yeah. you would have hair if you could. Yeah. Right. Like even LeBron even is the hair. hair surgeons are coming out being like, it's quote, like hair. It's like 15% effective. Yeah. Uh, I also, I love that they gave LeBron the only, my only takeaway with Space Jam, which I haven't seen. I just saw the trailer again. Is just, that they gave him more hair. They, they haired him up. Uh, Hollywood. Dude. Do I have, do I have to watch this? Am I actually going to have to watch this stupid Space Jam too? No. Cause no. the suicide squads coming out tomorrow on HBO max. Okay. That'll take so you, my reps. Yeah. You can watch that okay. instead. <laughs> Um, and sorry, um, what were we talking about? What was the discussion? Well, we were were talking about bald white men. We were talking about centers. So Cody Zeller was a big, bald white man. We were looking for, um, a convert. We want, you wanted to lead into a conversation about Daron Sharp, I believe. Um, and whether whether he's going to get minutes. Whether, whether, no, no, he's not. (laughs) Well, he's not going to be it. So here's my conversation. It's actually about DeAndre Jordan. So we kept hearing. All of the draft and free agency. Maybe the Nets are going to dump DeAndre Jordan. Maybe they're going to use that because at the time when they before they drafted Cam Thomas and Dayron Sharp, maybe they're going to use one of their first round picks to dump DeAndre Jordan to like the Oklahoma City Thunder, or they're going to figure out a way use two second round picks to dump DeAndre Jordan. Whatever the combination of trades were, the draft happened. Didn't that DeAndre Jordan dump didn't happen? Free agency begins. Spencer Dinwiddie signing trade. Why is it taking so long? Well, maybe the, the Nets are trying to figure out how can they put DeAndre Jordan to this mix so that he's not on the team. Then Christian Winfield from the Daily News, I believe he tweeted this, reported that um, the connection of DeAndre to the big three is so strong that they don't want to see him leave. They don't want to see DeAndre go. Mm. Now, you and I had in our pre-show meeting a conversation about yeah. DeAndre Jordan. Should we anticipate he is going to play basketball consistently for the Nets this year? Like, I think in everyone's mind, they've written him off completely. Should we anticipate that DeAndre Jordan is going to be a contributor to this team, at least in the regular season? Not even broaching. I'm not going to broach the postseason. You've been, you've been se- hanging out in Philly. I could tell. The postseason. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> you, you stop off at Wawa? What happened? What happened to you? Uh, what do you think, Bri? Uh, should prepare people. Yeah. Is the Andrew Jordan going to play basketball? I I would actually. So looking back on the season, I'm wondering if they're they're not actually doing this exactly the right way to a certain extent, which is like, you know, get your reps in with DeAndre Jordan for the first half of the regular season, and then when you need to ramp up whomever is going to be taking up those minutes, if it's Nick Nick Claxton, I suppose, or anybody else. Um, then the second half of the regular season is where you begin to get their reps up. And that if the, if we see the exact same thing next season, then we'll know what the plan is. We'll know, we'll know <laughs> that this whole thing has been, has been put into, uh, put into motion years ago. You know, the, 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 the prophecy um, was put into motion. Um, otherwise, then it's just a big grab bag of like, I don't know what to expect of if he comes out stacking up DNPs for the first like two months of, of the season, oh I, I will not know what to think of this situation at all. It, I mean, it would be such an I mean, in fact, I think so. My wife, Samantha, is becoming a, a life coach in a way. And it's, it's not like 
She's not someone that's going to be like, giving you advice. Like it's sort Can of. Can she be mine? It's more of like dealing with like anxiety and and oh, how wow. to and parenting and helping with that. But they're like within, a career a career change or like what, what are we talking about? Yeah, she's well. That's that's her career change. Oh, sick. and and she's doing a program called IPEC, and they do these virtual classes and they you know, they teach you all these techniques and this stuff. Mm. And there's a description of different people that there's like one through seven levels you could be. A person can be a level one and they're just like really like concerned about themselves, but they're weak minded oh, and shit. all this stuff. Oh, wow. And but a level seven is someone who is like they describe it as world leaders, but I think most world leaders are psychotics. Um yeah, they're described as like they 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 think everything is good and that they can affect change in a really positive way. And if if I do something good for you, it's good for me, like uplifting everyone, blah, blah, blah. DeAndre Jordan just may just be a completely enlightened human being. Mm. If he can be on this team. You, you think he's a seven. Be getting paid $10 million a year. I don't know if he cares about his salary. And not play basketball. Oh, my gosh. Like, it would, as, I'm not that competitive. He's a full-blown seven, you're saying. That's incredible. But it would be, I think it would have to be tough for a professional basketball player, an average professional basketball player, to be on a team of this magnitude to have the resume that DeAndre Jordan had and then not play, right? Like, I think that must – I would – that would bug me mm. um, that, that that would be happening, that I used to be good and I'm on this team that could use someone who used who I used to be, but I can't be that guy anymore. They don't even want me. Now, getting back to – See, that's other- that's where you go with it. <clears throat> they don't even want me. That's the – that's the <laughs> conge- – that's the – that's the that's the one in you talking like <laughs> – yeah, that's your inner one. <laughs> so I never asked yeah. Sam what I am. I'm afraid, yeah. and I no. think I think I'm I think I'm at lower least a two level. and a half. At least yeah, in, <laughs> in the relationship, like in her mind, she's like, well, to other people, you're a five maybe, but to me, you're a two. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, that's classic, classic. that's probably fair. Yeah. But um, I mean, okay. So getting back to DeAndre Jordan as a contributing basketball player for this team. Okay, I don't we we the, again the reporting is varied. It's it, it would make sense the Nets would want to get rid of him. He's getting paid 10 million dollars a year with the luxury tax that's 40 million dollars a year. Um he is um not contributing to that level. You could get a guy a, a minimum level player who would actually probably be better. I mean Cody Zeller I actually think is better than DeAndre Jordan, but I don't I don't see it necessarily for the regular season anything wrong with DeAndre Jordan playing on the court. Like, he, he was good enough last year. Like, there was moments early on that it was like him or Jared Allen. I don't know mm-hmm. who was better. Remember? Like, and that that bled, that got shifted more and more. Jared Allen pretty quickly, like, showed yeah. to Kevin Durant and the rest of the world, like, hey, did, I'm the did better. Did a couple of weeks. But, yeah, yeah it was a, yeah. yeah. And, and obviously – now Jared Allen is sitting there with a five-year, $100 million contract. Mazel tough to him, which mm. Brian actually does not like. Brian thinks that's a horrible contract. I love Jared Allen, and I want him to, to you know, get paid. It never sounds that way. I, you know, if, if I was if I was the Nets in that situation, you know, I'm not sure how I'd feel about it. But um, it's a lot well, of – The Nets didn't do it. That's the why they traded him, it, by the way. That's why I enjoy it so much for him. Um, how, think about how much Overwatch you can play now. How much? How many graphic cards you can buy with that money? <laughs> you know. So you're okay. Like, are you? Do you think he has value, DeAndre Jordan? DeAndre Jordan on this team, regular season. 
Because I don't think the play like that's the sad thing. It's like I don't see any version unless if DeAndre Jordan is like rejuvenated in some way. Um, I, I don't see hard, how he plays with this team in the playoffs. It's really hard to figure out what exactly the situation is there. Like clearly, next in line is Nick Claxton, who's like if the, if we are going to be constructing a team around a like obvious center, and you know Nick Claxton, I is I guess that. Um, then that's where you go. But like, it doesn't seem like we're doing that. Like, even though like Sean Marks went out and was like, yeah, we need to get big and go, go for rebounding and stuff. Like Blake Griffin was that sign that, that, that signing for us for that, um, which at, at this phase of his career is not a super duper big manny rebounder kind of bro. Um, so maybe we're, we're zagging full blown into, you know, the territory where Mike, you've often talked about of playing KD at the five, which we never saw that never happened. Um, that, that really, yeah, it really didn't. Really, yeah, it really never happened. Um, so, but like, I mean, of the people who could then ostensibly fill up that gap, Dayron, um, Nick Claxton, Alizé Johnson, it's like those are some young pups uh, who have not been battle tested too much. Nick Claxton getting his earning his stripes uh, and and clearly could have like the you know a, like that next Super Saiyan boosting season uh, this year. Um, but that's not by any means a sure thing. And also that doesn't even like begin to answer the question of why is DeAndre Jordan just like rotting in, in DNP <laughs> land. So I don't know. I don't know. And it, so my, if I will know exactly what's going to happen if he starts, you know, playing starter style minutes or like 20 minutes a game for, you know, starter po- minutes for that position. Um, then I'll be like, okay, he's a regular season first out of the regular season, you know, center basically. And then we'll phase him out as we, as, as we see fit. Well, um, and, yeah. and so that's the thing. Like, can we, I know this is so far away. Projected starting five in my mind. It's obviously the big three. It's still Joe Harris, and I think it's Blake. Like, yeah. I think I think Blake starts. So if Blake is starting technically at the five, he's playing some minutes nominally at center. That means I would say, and and, and but I I do want to say this about Nick Claxton. Like, he's only in his third year, right? He played, let me pull up the amount of games he played. He played 15 games his rookie year, and he played 32 games this past season. He averaged 18 minutes a game, 19 minutes a game this past season. Like, he is so talented, and he is, like, he has the potential to be the most dominating Nets defender on this team. But he needs to be able to play a full season, healthy, where he's getting a reliable 20 minutes a game. Right, like, because they, they, it's kind of a bad bet to bet on him being there for all season and being there in the playoffs. Like, you I mean, need I to think, have. I think this options. is that season. I think we've been. It like, has to be this season. It really, like, well, we're trying to think about who fills that that space. It's like I really think if it's not Claxton, there's something, there's something amiss in the universe here, um, because this is this has got to be. I mean, the third season is is typically quite a big one in terms of your your general trajectory as a as a player. Um, so if he's not getting the reps now, it's, it's, it's just time. It just, it just is the time. Like we got to make it happen. Um, there is one like kind of curveball that could be thrown in the mix is that Sham Sharani reported that LaMarcus Aldridge is considering making a NBA comeback that he's been evaluated by medical Brian's making faces. It's he's been evaluated now. by medical professionals and that he feels comfortable to maybe play basketball again, but obviously teams would have to decide for themselves. Cause at one point, Chris Bosch tried to kind of make a comeback and the heat didn't let him. 
I think from like an insurance point of view, they were and medically they were like, we just can't risk you playing. Yeah. Um, and I, I obviously two different people, um, so may not have be the same outcome. Um, let's just say it live in a world where Lamarcus Aldridge. It's just like everyone's like actually we kind of overreacted and everything looks fine medically and you know we feel confident in what we're seeing now. Would you welcome him back in the Nets world? Open arms. <laughs> we overreacted to your like your heart condition. Um, yeah, it's not the kind of thing that like, <laughs> you, you're yeah. like you won't even play the bullshit. You're yeah. like, uh, no. I mean, I don't. You know, like, I this guy's life. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, even in that in that uh, alternative universe. Um, it didn't. I didn't love the Lamarcus Aldridge. I know people. There's people that are now sort of defenders in hindsight. They're playing the 2020 hindsight game with us, Mike. I mean, like that was the difference between us and making the Easter Conference Finals. And you know, I don't. I don't know. I don't play those types of games. But I wasn't super in love with the Lamarcus Aldridge experience up to that point. There were some things that were good. There were some things that weren't. But it was basically like you're playing an entirely different kind of basketball when he's. You're going super half court. He like brought the half court spursiness to us instead of like doing any kind of anything, anything different than what you would expect, which is fine. I mean, like, he was doing it at a high enough level. Like it didn't dip off or anything, which is, you know, that's kudos. He's super consistent and he's been doing that for a long time. Um, but I just didn't ever, th- it just doesn't, it, it didn't, it didn't excite me and it didn't feel like a long-term solution to what we were going to be wanting to do basketball wise going forward. So for me, I'm, if he wants to come back, Gucci, um, but I'd prefer if it wasn't on the nets. I hate to say that. I kind of would, I would, I'd be into it even though at the time I wasn't just because for, I mean, for the redemption still... arc, you want the arc. <laughs> no, I just, I do. It's a hole on this team. Like the team has, as, um, but it's not a hole you know, that he's like particularly good at, f- at filling, you know, yeah, but I don't know it, he's like, like his body fills it, but like his, ac- it's yeah, a, his body, and what his is body. big dumpy yeah. body, but it's not, you're, it's like a, it's, it's a Fugazi, you know, he's, you're getting, you're getting, the bo- <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting the body, but you're not getting the action. Yeah. I, 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 I agree that he isn't what his body looks like, but. I still think there's like utility and value in him in terms of being on the basketball court. He's really smart. Uh, he played with Patty most for many years. So maybe they have like a, a fun little side game that they could be playing on the court together. That, that makes units. it even worse. I don't like <laughs> the Patty. I don't want your side game. Get out of no here. No side games. For Brian. <laughs> yeah. um, I should say, and everyone, I God bless everyone who listens to this show because they're sometimes you don't know, like I have, I can see the numbers, you know, I can look at to see who, who listens and I love the numbers and I love to see as many people that listen. But the, the fact that so you just don't know who's listening and then something happens, some news breaks and then people tweet at you and then, you know, okay, yes, people are listening. Uh, when Boban resigned with the Mavericks, mm-hmm. mo- many people tweeted at us as to say, Mike's going to be upset. And I, I was upset. I've kind of already moved on. People, about people it in too. the Discord, shout out to the Discord. Double shout out. One episode, two shout outs. Um, Twitter, Twitter, invite in the Twitter bio. Um, people have been memeing about your like your, your your love for Boban, and they don't get it. They don't like it. They don't want it on the show anymore. Do people they, watch basketball? Come on, <laughs> there it is. He's, he's a dynamic force in the court when he plays four minutes a game. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. He doesn't play. I mean, if you're saying that up to, to DeAndre Jordan's DNPs, it's like it's four minutes versus, you know, it's sort of a Peter Thiel zero to one conversation, right? I mean, <laughs> what, are we, you know, what are we getting out of DeAndre? Um, so there's only there's one new net that they signed that we haven't talked about yet. And it's actually someone that you've been talking about, I feel like, for a while. James Johnson. Yeah. Rugged, clawing, fighting James Johnson. Throat tattooed. Heavily throat tattooed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've enjoyed that signing. I've enjoyed him. I hope he's not done gas tank wise because it looked like that was maybe a change of scenery is gonna gonna boost it up. But he was he's he's been passed around a little bit in recent years, um, which you hate to see. But um, only thirty four. Not in his. Just, just doesn't look be- like it. Just in the beginning of the Twilight years, a great nickname, Bloodsport. Do you know this? Yeah, knew this. Fantastic. Because I don't know the- if people actually call him that. I'm going to start. I'm going to start it. doing this more. Well, it's because of all because he's got a black belt in karate, Mike. He's got a black belt in karate, like the movie Bloodsport, starring Jean Claude Van Damme. You ever seen that? No. You never watched like TNT on a on a Saturday morning growing up? You never did that because it was always well, on. Maybe I was watching TBS because usually it was Dawson's Creek on a Saturday morning. <laughs> right. It was more vibe. That was more. That was more blood weird. sport. Yeah. Um, um, so he knows karate, which well, is. What do you like about James Johnson besides his nickname and? <clears throat> so we. I've, in, I've enjoyed that we have uh, targeted a a utility player that I've long uh, lusted for of the Wilson Chandler milieu. Uh, James Johnson is of that milieu, which is like an above or sort of like league average to the slightly above league average, depending on what year it is, um, three point percentage. And then um, just generally like a utility defensive guy with like just like uh, an edge, just a just a nasty edge to him. So like I'm not like expecting the world from James Johnson other than just being like a sort of plug and play defender um, slash maybe once in a while good game shooter you know but that's a that's a you know that's a that's a that's a bar he can reach at 34 that's where yeah. he's at yeah the only I, and I don't feel bad necessarily but like so people are comparing like oh is he gonna be the next jeff green he's an entirely different player he's not than that. jeff green he is not that yeah. he's not he, explosive he well i mean like <clears throat> he has some so I, I actually watched a little bit of his highlights from last from this past season, and I will stay, say he still puts the ball on the ground. He wants to be yes. driving. It's not as effective as Jeff, Jeff Green is like abnormally explosive for his age um, and size. So it's not that, but it is it is an attempt at it. Yeah, it's it's a different player. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's 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 a rangy wing. He's actually like a more like I like Jeff Green's defense, and Green could play the five where like people are saying James Johnson could maybe play small ball five at times. Mm-hmm. Jeff Green was a little thicker. James Johnson, though, I do I, – I give him more of a shot of guarding actual wings than Jeff Green does. Like, I think James Johnson could lock people up. Now, the only thing about him is his shooting is so bad. He shot 30% from three last year, and he's like 55% from the free throw line or something. Um that he really can't ever play on a closing but, lineup. But he's had seasons of 37, 30 – like high 37 37 yeah Um, yeah. and and this is a situation where it's like but over his career he's been a 30 percent three-point shooter with 1.7 you know looking at 1.7 attempts per a game which is very low volume oh you don't have these memories mike you don't know (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, he's not a good shooter he's so so like 
like he he isn't Jeff Green. There should be no expectation because like Jeff Green, he's had up and down three point shooting seasons, but like he was shot what was it forty three percent last year for the Nets. Like he he had he an, an insane a, year last year. I mean he had, this is what we talked about in our last podcast. It's like there's just no way he can replicate that amount of success again, and you don't want to have the down year Jeffrey. Like you want to just cherish the Hefe Converde yeah. season. And that's what we're going to do. But I will say like the big difference, I think, and I don't know if, if James Johnson will be tasked with this at all, but the playmaking is actually much more in James Johnson's favors. He, uh, his favor. He's had some seasons of like, you know, four ish assists playing very few minutes and, you know, a limited role. He's just a good, you know, second passer in, in a, a system offense, um, which I think is why, person like Sean Marks would would have him on his on his list on that special list of his um so there's a lot to like about James Johnson but you have to go into it knowing that he's just not don't expect the Jeff Green experience from James Johnson it's not that yeah and and like ultimately how many minutes is he really getting he's a great guy to have on your bench like he really he really can actually play basketball and and he's a he's a nasty mf'er like he is, he really is. He's a nice, it's a good, it's, we truly were missing. I mean, Jeff Green, I've never met a nicer guy. I've met like of, of all the people that we've, of all the friends of the show, he's the friendliest friend of the show. He was a sweet potato. He well, we laughed, only have fr- he laughed at our bad jokes. He laughed at our bad jokes, Mike. You've never seen a player do that. I don't, I don't really have bad jokes. I don't know. That's true. That much is true. That See, that joke. was a bad joke. <laughs> that was a bad joke. <laughs> if Jeff, By the but way. if Jeff was here, he would have given you a courtesy chuckle. Um, let me just do this. There's a list of the nine. So the Nets technically still could add someone if they wanted to for a minimum deal or whatever. Like Andre Gudala would be that. Um, here are the nine best free agents available. Let me just run down the list for you. Okay. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is a free agent, which would be hilarious. I'd, I'd if take he, him. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd take a flyer. Yeah. Put, put him in there. Let him rehab his torn ACL. Yeah. Dennis Schroeder, which is real rough that our guy... He turned down eighty million dollars. I know that extension. that's going to be a real interesting situation because he's he's holding out for something that ain't it ain't there, Mike. That's not it there. ain't there. I mean, it's yeah. like it's another one year deal, prove it, go somewhere type situation. I Oof. think for him, Oof. Kelly Oubre. Um, no thank I you. could. Hey, I could be I could be in for Kelly Oubre if he was a minimum guy. I don't think he, I think he's still. I, I still I'm, think there's. I'm enough. over the like. Where is Kelly Oubre's ceiling? I don't want to be part of the where is his ceiling journey that he's on. You know, that's he's still on that journey. He has to find his ceiling, and it's not. It's all. It's a whole lot lower than where he thought it was. That's that's my experience with the Kelly Oubre. Am I wrong? Red, am, am I wrong? No. Yeah. Well, yeah, you are, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> Reggie Jackson, who I you Reggie Jackson used to be a feature of this show like six years ago. I was like, I, that was like when we were desperate and trying to find any player that maybe had some upside. Reggie Jackson was one guy I targeted as like, oh, that's the next J- James Harden uh, because he was a guard, bench guard what? for the Thunder and he had long arms. So oh, I, like, I see. I see. That, that guy should be James Harden. Uh, he was phenomenal in the playoffs. Uh, still unsigned. Kind of crazy. Josh Hart could very much like him. Can I say that, that Reggie Jackson finally found his ceiling? He locked in on that this season. That was a guy who also didn't sort of have a, a great understanding of his ceiling. Um, but if I remember correctly, he pissed off all the Thunder teammates when he when he was younger with the Thunder. Doesn't, and those teammates included Kevin Durant. It's the one thing you can't do is to come in there and have a misassessment of your ceiling. You got like if I come in here thinking I'm like what are these 
this is an eight foot ceiling I'm in here, and and I think that that's a twelve footer. You know, we're gonna have some problems, Michael. <laughs> can, I'm in, yeah. Can, can I'm I the, make a, I'm in a the bold, hobbit hole? Yeah, speaking of rehabbing old relationships, can I make a bold prediction for next off season? Sure. So I think Draymond Green is going to be traded to the Nets next off season. I think there's some good vibes happening. That is a wild, bold prediction. He called Kevin Durant the best player on the planet because they're both playing for Team USA right now. And Durant is like rip-roaring, like the greatest American basketball player in Olympics history over Carmelo Anthony, which is like a weird kind of list to be on. But um, Did you see Ben Simmons is trying to the like notification from the athletic the um, jumper the what was it oh, no, well, what, he's trying what, to force a trade to the warriors right now is, is apparently what the is the that rumor, what's happening what, that's what the rumor mill is saying let's pick that up but that would be a horrible i mean it would be good in theory if draymond green wasn't on the team yeah. but draymond's on the on the basketball court so you would have two of the non-shooter like two just complete non-shooters on the court together I can You're fine with it. I like it. Okay, okay good. Thanks. <laughs> nice, nice return. Yeah. Yeah. It's a podcast. It's a real. You won that ping pong match, Mike. But I'm, I'm <laughs> going to pick up. I'm, 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 I'm under the table looking for the ball. Um. Okay. Anyways, I don't want to go. Th- the rest of the list is Demarcus Cousins, which actually probably is. Come on, Mike. What are we talking about? Paul Millsap. And Wait, hold on. We're just going to blow right past him. That's the Lori guy. Marketing. No, we're not. We can't have. We can't have no, Demarcus I Cousins. I think it's been proven that he's. He's done in terms of being valuable. All right. um, Before we end the show, because this has been a great show, um, I want to do two things. One, draft your draft thoughts because we haven't got to them and there's a lot to talk about there. But before we get there, I want to get to our guy, J.J. Reddick. So J.J. Reddick's a phenomenal podcaster and was an NBA player. Um, I... I declared loudly and multiple times that if that if he wasn't a Brooklyn net, it would be the greatest indictment about his basketball skills ever. Because the guy, everyone knows this, his family lives in Brooklyn. They have always they have lived in Dumbo. They live in Brooklyn, even while he played for the Sixers, and even while he played for the Pelicans, and even when he got traded to the Dallas Mavericks, he has declared loudly that he wants to be playing on the East Coast. He said that for many years. Um he used to drive from Brooklyn to Philly. He would live in Brooklyn even while playing for Philly. And it just felt like he was going to be a Brooklyn net, that he was going to be a veteran minimum signing. Brian, Michael. is JJ Reddick going to be a Brooklyn net? He's going to, I mean, you said it the third, this is three times now, and he will, I mean, he's probably already signing his paperwork. <clears throat> I actually don't think so, Mike. I think that uh, the. The well, I think the 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 book is the book on JJ Reddick might be closing. Mike, this this could be the end of the the JJ Reddick. Did he get a? Is he on a team right now? Does he have no. a job? Does not have a job. How hard do you think he's looking for a job? Well, I think he's. I do think like the way he has talked before. Like I don't know if you heard it. Like after he got traded to the Mavericks, he had like this whole like confessional episode of his show. I think it was after the Pelican seasons ended officially or after the, I forget when it was. It must have been. I don't know when it was, but he was basically like the franchise screwed me over. They said I go. I went into the beginning of the year that, you know, I didn't want to be here, but they said they would work out a deal for me and that they would keep me involved. 
And then they basically didn't. Like he, they, he, he claims that they totally screwed him over. I, I think from the way I've heard him talk, you know, I've listened to his show. He's probably pretty selective. Like he could go to like probably a number of teams. Let's just like a Minnesota or just whatever. Name any team that's not on the East Coast. And he's like, why would I like? I don't want to do that. You know what? Play one more year for a million dollars. It sounds like a lot of money. It is, but also when you've made how much money he's made over his career, he's probably not. It's probably not that significant to him compared to maybe being home with his family. So I think he's selective, meaning the Nets, the Knicks, back to Philly, maybe all the way up to Boston, right? Like the Excella corridor. Um, he I'm needs just, to be near an Excella. I'm just looking at this too. Like his his last year of like actual productive year, like his New Orleans year, uh, when he's 35, just just a, a year younger. Uh, it's 15 points per game. Like he's still like his actual like when he's playing basketball years are still pretty consistently good. Like he's there was no like precipitous drop off outside of this like you know botched trade situation that happened. Um, yeah, it was 45% from three. I mean, that's yeah. that that year you're talking about, the 15 points per game. Yeah. Um, I can almost guarantee, I mean, he's been one of the great shooters of his generation the entire time he's been in the NBA. That, like, if he was on the Nets and it was just open three guy, he would be hitting 45% from three, right? Now, he wouldn't do anything else for the Nets. Like, he's always been kind of like a craftier ball handler than maybe he would get credit for. I mean, at one at one season, he averaged about four assists a game, which is pretty nice. Again, for it's better than a lot of like pure shooters. Um, doesn't can't play defense, I'm sure, at this point, as old as he is. Uh, he seems like a good guy to have in your locker room. Uh, but if you look at the Nets roster, you have Patty Mills, a, a shorter shooter, Javon Carter, thirty nine percent from three, but like, not that you're gonna rely on him, but he's there. Joe Harris, and then again, three of the greatest shooters of all time. Yeah. In KD, Kyrie, and Harden. You don't really like a one dimensional skill we don't need is three point shooting right now. Right now. It'd be nice, like, because then mm-hmm. you could construct, again, talking about bench lineups, you could have a bench lineup with Harden running ISO Harden where it's a pick and roll center, and then it's JJ Reddick and Patty Mills, and again, James Johnson just floating around. Like, Bruce Brown floating around like you could you that'd be a pretty small lineup but like the, that's an amazing shooting lineup that James Harden could be a part of um I'm just like surprised I honestly thought that he was gonna be a net maybe he still will be maybe it's just like maybe it's like already gonna happen and they're just like well, why don't we talk? let's not sign this contract now why do we, why let's just figure it out later we'll deal with it then um he probably should sign with the, the Knicks could actually probably use him that's who he should sign with, uh, but I'm not here to consult. You don't want to. You don't want to dump on the Knicks real quick. Uh, no, no I, I actually think not. the Kemba Walker thing's like an. It did. It did actually pretty like shore it up. I thought. I thought they would have had a pretty disastrous offseason, but for that, that actually kind of makes it all make a little bit more sense. Um, well, let's get to your draft thoughts. Oh, my draft thoughts. Um. You know, it was actually a really uh, a fun thing that I did was just peep into the draft just just enough to have just like the one little insight, which is that um, at 27, basically to a man, let's see, Kessler Edwards was tracked to us, Raekwon Gray, Dayron, obviously, um, 
yeah, those are three guys that were all tracked to our 27th pick by a variety of different sources. And only, and only zero of them were actually picked at 27. We all, we all, we all picked them up later in, in, uh, as, and for Raekwon quite, quite a bit later. Um, so I, you know, I don't pretend to know anything about like advanced scouting or whatever. Um, but I do think it's a good sign where guys who were picked deep in the second round had been tracked to your 27th pick some almost 30 picks, um, in the future. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't, I don't have like super hot takes about any of these guys excited to see what the, the camp Thomas experiences. I read a little bit about, about his, um, his like potential, like hyper alpha Chad vibes that, that he's, that's been putting everybody (laughs) off, but you know, you can't always, you can't always handle an alpha Chad. Um, but I think it's an interesting sort of project to put on the bench. We haven't had an Alpha Chad scorer project on the bench since Marshawn Brooks, you know, and that was the most Alpha Chad <laughs> scorer I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of like a real, like just true blue, like we picked up a scorer on the draft. Um, it's been a while since that. Um, Marshawn so, Brooks. I mean, it is. It's Marshawn Brooks. So a fun the pickup. Next- East Coast Kobe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so fun pickup, but like, yeah, and again, like... It, well, and I, so I did a pod, I did a pod with Alex Schiffer of The Athletic after the draft, and like, I was like, I would kind of, I didn't poo-poo the pick of Cam Thomas, I was like, he's not going to play, but as I kept hearing more and more people talk about him, and they were like, he's kind of the steal of the first round, and like, he was a guy who maybe was late lottery, and then he ended up where the Nets ended up, and and all this stuff. And there was a key moment in the draft that was on the television broadcast that I didn't bring up at the time. And I don't know if everyone caught it, but so Bobby Marks, the aforementioned Bobby Marks. Friend of uh, the show. Can you get, can you throw a friend of the show friend on the show. there for friend Bobby? Of the show. Apologies. He has been on the Jesus. show. Um, Bobby Marks does this consulting gig for draft prospects where he helps them with interviews that they're going to have with teams. Like he does mock interviews with a lot of guys. I don't know it's for a specific agency, but he does this for a lot of people. I remember last year when there's all the LaMelo ball controversy where a lot of people were like, that guy's a weirdo and he's, he's strange. And he, all of his teammates in Australia hated him. Bobby Marks, like would loudly say like, I, I've worked with him. I've interviewed with him. He's a great guy. He's just like, he was like, he's kind of quiet. He's not like, completely outlandish like you expect like his father but like he's people are going to really actually really like him mm. when they meet him and i was like i filed that away and then he had this season in charlotte and Lamelo ball was awesome and so during the draft broadcast after the nets pick cam thomas bobby marks comes on the screen and wearing you know his his glasses and his he has got his ball his jeff bezos ball head. Jeez. And, <laughs> sorry. Jeez. that's that's Unnecessary. Yeah. Um, Bobby Marks said this. This is the only guy I saw him do for the draft, and I didn't watch the entire draft, but I saw it for this moment. He said, "Teams are saying, you know, there there's some rumors that Cam Thomas's personality is maybe people are a little turned off by." It. He says, "But I interviewed with the guy, and I lo- I love him. I love his. He seems dedicated to the game and all this stuff." And I was like, "Okay, I'm going to trust Bobby Marks on this mm. because he did the same thing with the Metal Ball, a controversial prospect." And he's doing it again with Cam Thomas. He's there's no benefit to him. He talks to probably I think he talks to like sixty prospects a year. There's no benefit to him to single out one, but he chose Cam Thomas to say, 
hey, this guy has got a, a fantastic personality, <laughs> I guess. Bobby and, Marks with a high EQ, you know? You didn't and, you know, never guess it. And I undersold, again, rereading it. Like, I think Kevin O'Connor had Cam Thomas, the number 14 overall prospect. Again, late lottery. Get him at 27. Um, if he's that talented, and again, he was so productive in college, like, I should maybe factor him in and being a role on this team right now, even though, like, do they need a microwave scorer on this team? I mean, kind of, but not really. Um, it's not bad to have a guy like that. Um, so I love, I, I more and more love that pick. Um, did you watch, did, did you do your homework and watch the Raekwon Gray footage? There? I did. I did. I've done some homework. I mean, the Kessler Edwards stuff is, is some of the more interesting. I went Ooh, and did the deep tell. dive on Kessler, uh, who I, you know, I'll be surprised if, if these guys crack the rotation, obviously. Um, but the Kessler, shooting experience is really an interesting one um because that is as unorthodox a stroke as you've as i mean like i made the comparison of of reggie miller last week like kind of as just like he's a six eight gangly dude who's like known for shooting threes in the high 30s and low 40s a reggie miller thing to do um but it's very reggie miller in the sense that they also have stupid form um, stupid in the bad way. Uh, so I'll be interested to see. I'm always very suspicious of guys with bad form, uh, who like, like really are tr- trying to, to market themselves as, as three point threats. Um, so I'm, I'm dubious. I'm interested in Kessler for, for that reason. Um, but insanely productive. I think it was like, I had the number last week and it's probably still here in my notes. 39.5% from, on nearly 400 three-point attempts over his career in college, which is a massive amount. Now, here's what Sam Vecini, the uh, the NBA draft expert for the Athletics, said <laughs> negatively about Kessler Edwards, which is he's a pretty poor ball handler, very loose to the ball, not a change of pace or change of direction guy, which is like he's like a discount Trey Murphy Kispert. You know, like that's why you get him <laughs> in the second round. Yeah, He's – Pure shooting, he's got some D to him, got length, but he's not. He's just not going to do anything else for you, at least yeah. for a while. Yeah. Which is fine if he shot, if he shot thirty nine percent from three for the Nets on three attempts a game. That's well, that's, that's not going to happen. That's a that's, that's we get a real problem if he's taking three attempts. If a he's game. starting yeah. for this team, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, All right, so Kessler, I, I do, but he's interested. I think he's just pure shooting. And length, that's that's an that's a prospect. Well, I'm interested in just like how uh like we, we got like memes. We got like got, we got our like Camp Thomas, who's like our Mamba energy bro, Dayron Sharp, who's like thick boy center bro. Love R- Raekwon, yeah. who's like, you know, gonna give Reggie Perry his Talk reps. About <laughs> Big boy center. <laughs> yeah. We got I mean the 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 bang bros of uh Reggie Perry and, and Raekwon is um is a fun thing to think about. Um, am I missing anyone other than Kessler? Wait, do we have well, five people? Zagorowski, Marcus oh, right, right. Zagorowski, Mar- who yes. no one has any any point to say, but like if you look at his statistics, pretty solid. I mean, 45% off the catch threes, over 40% from three in all three of his college seasons. Um, a shooter, like a straight up, like that's, I do, like I do think Mark's, targeted roles as opposed to guys he thought maybe had like like maybe they weren't good in 
Maybe they're good at like a couple of things. He targeted guys who were like good at one thing. This is this is this is why I love Sean Marks. That is, I think that's really the secret to drafting. At least lock in the one thing. I feel like for years we'd always been get like trying to get like these these broad utility players, or whatever. Um, anyways, I, I really enjoy the 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 memory of Sean Marks as a drafting. Just like guys that have a strong narrative to push. Uh, in their in their little draft video, like on draft night, that's it's an important part. Well, I, I'm rooting for Ray, Raekwon. I think everyone could tell Raekwon. Oh, we're we're Ray like picking guys. You want to pick is, like is what, my is my in your, dude. In your, I mean, <laughs> we're picking boys. All right, he's he's so much fun to watch. Just his size driving to the hoop. He like attacks the rim, not as a like post player, as a as a wing. He at six eight two seventy, he drives to the lane. Like he's just like your average college guard, you know, like like trying to get in the to the bucket, but he's massive. Did you know um, that there's a summer league game in in four days? Well, haven't there been some summer league games already? Like, I feel like I've seen some statistics for <laughs> <Really>? like <laughs> What's for happening? some like I thought I'm it started the eighth. I'm always confused about where it's happening. Well, but there's like a California they do a very, classic a or very bad job of of uh, informing people about this situation. I'm legitimate. I'll probably be dirty streaming this on Twitch, by the way. Yeah, no there there have been there have been summer league games already, like some in Utah. Like I guess there's some games happening in Utah. What? Um, For yeah, you. and the Jazz are playing a blue squad and a white squad, like the. The jazz team. It's, it's are jazz v jazz. Me. That's not jazz v jazz. Um, I'm ex- I mean, I I've said this before. I think this is one of the most exciting Nets summer leagues possible because you have five draft picks. Brandon Knight, former like a guy we would have obsessed over. We almost traded Brooke Lopez for Brandon Knight. That's that's where you know six years ago. That's where we were. <laughs> Brooke Lopez trade jumble, just like yeah. any any player of yeah. that that ilk. Um, I think it's. I mean, the, I know. I know. Team USA plays in a gold medal game against who is it? France, um, f- late Friday night, which is going to be a good game. But I'm most more interested in that summer league. Like, if what if Cam Thomas just comes out and just lights it up, and I'm like, we're like, oh my god, here know. he comes. You already know what's going to happen too. And then mm. the Nets trade for Damian Lillard using Cam Thomas as the centerpiece. <laughs> there it is. Um, a boy can dream, it, right? Mike. Yeah, lock it in. Let's put it in the can. Um, thank you all for listening. This is a long episode, but we felt like we wanted to give what happened previously its proper due. Yeah. So Get it in thank there. you all for listening. Um, at Beak Higlu Guys on Twitter. Discord, third shout out in one episode. Invite is in the Twitter bio. Please join us. Uh, Mike, The Athletic Nets Daily. What else? What else we got? Uh, t- Twitter, you said Twitter, YouTube, Mark YouTube. Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos. Amazon is a website where you can buy things. You can buy things on Amazon. Um, and five stars we want them. We need them. We have to have them. Perfect. Bye, everybody.